Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. So much of what we have the ability to change in our lives starts and is predicated on our understandings of who we are and the choices that we make. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well, my friends. Very excited for today's episode with my guest, Claude Larson, who is a teacher of over 25 years and author of The Power of Choice, A Teen's Guide to Finding Personal Success. And I know what you might be thinking, like, why are you having a teacher come on Think Unbroken? Why are you sharing this information about teens? And the truth is, I have, as you know, the goal of ending generational trauma in my lifetime through education and information. And that applies not only to us as adults who are consuming this information, but also to the information that we can give to children. One of the big things happening in Think Unbroken right now is there's a curriculum redesign happening for us to go and give this information to kids in schools. And when I came across Claude and we had our initial conversation, I thought to myself, this is the perfect subject matter for Think Unbroken. And when I got deeper into her book, I realized like a lot of her curriculum is kind of what I teach adults over here in the Think Unbroken side. And I thought to myself, oh, this makes a lot of sense. This is a perfect meshup of two different styles of teaching in two different arenas, right? Schools and teens, as opposed to me with adults and, and business leaders. And thinking to myself, okay, great. If we can start mending this, this brings us even closer to my goal. And so I'm very excited to have her on as we talk about things like values and habits and the power of choosing yourself and moving through life. And also more importantly, especially if I know some of you are teachers because you're my personal friends and you reach out to me. And I also know that many of you are parents who have teens, who have the need 
for this kind of information. I believe the need for, I can't put the words in your mouth. I don't know. I don't have kids. I'm not your kid's parent, but I'm going to imagine that a lot about what you are going to learn is going to be transferable into your personal lives with the, the kids that you're working with and even maybe your own life. So I'm very excited with this episode. And without further ado, my friends, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com, where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself, and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. We'll be right back to the show. But before we do, I'm going to take a moment and tell you about my new book, Unbroken Man, A Man's Guide to Being the Hero of Their Own Story. I sat down a few months ago and realized that there are so many men in the world that need guidance, that need support, that need to learn about trauma, removing themselves from toxic masculinity, breaking down the barriers to vulnerability, getting unstuck, and ultimately learning the tools to become the hero of their own story. Unbroken Man is available for pre-order right now if you go to men.thinkunbroken.com, where you'll also get access to over $1,000 in bonuses, including the six-week in-depth trauma healing coaching app, which you'll get instant access to. I created Unbroken Man to be accessible to everyone around the world, but it is written for men from the guise of a man, and I hope that you will find it to be a practical tool on your healing journey in the same way that thousands of men around the world have. So check out men.thinkunbroken.com to pre-order, and until next time, be unbroken. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Claude Larson, who is the author of The Power of Choice, A Teen's Guide to Finding Personal Success. Hello, my friend. How are you today? I am excellent, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. As am I. I've been looking forward to this conversation for months now, and I know it's going to be incredibly beneficial for the Unbroken Nation audience because the tools we're going to talk about, not only do they apply to teens, but they definitely apply to adults as well. So before we jump in, tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are today. Okay, so my backstory is I was a public school teacher, uh, mostly middle school. I spent a little time in high school, but uh, I really did like teaching teenagers, and I did that for 25 years. I started in 1986, and I finished in 2019, right before the pandemic year, which every you know when everything just went sideways. But um, I think that even growing up, I was just a natural teacher. If somebody was confused, I wanted to help them. If um, there was something I didn't know, I wanted to learn it. And so I really enjoyed the profession of teaching. I loved, uh, I was a science teacher, which was really fun because we got to do stuff. Like I thought about, oh, those history teachers, they're just reading about dead people and things from the past. And I'm like, no, we have beakers and fire and cool stuff. And I, so I really liked my job. Um, however, as the years went by doing the job of educating teenagers got a little more challenging. Anybody who's ever been in the company of teenagers might have noticed they became more self-absorbed and, um, more, more electronically connected to people than actually connected to people, which made it harder to be an educator um, and harder to connect with them. And so um, 
in my 24th year of teaching out of sheer frustration of going to work and feeling like I wasn't making a difference, which is like, that's the whole goal as a teacher. You get up every day and you go to your job and you, I had, you know, hundred plus students and I knew that when they would leave my room, my intention was that they knew more than before they walked in every day. And I felt more and more like that wasn't happening. And out of frustration, I, I thought back on my, at the point, at that point I was teaching eighth graders. I was like, what did I learn in eighth grade science? And I could not attribute a single science fact to eighth grade, <laughs> which might be, I don't know, it might be sad, or it might just be the fact that science changes every two years, they say, right? The amount of scientific information doubles every two years. Um, but I, but I did remember my teacher and how uh, he made me feel about being in his classroom and how much I enjoyed being in his classroom. And I thought, I realized in that moment that I needed to take some time and teach my students or introduce my students to some ancient wisdom, um, things like how to bring gratitude into your life or like what excellence is, because that concept has been lost. And I feel like that's been the downhill slide since everybody got a trophy for participating. It was like, nobody's excellent anymore. Everybody's, you know, every game ends in a tie and everybody gets a trophy and, uh, you know, people want prizes just for showing up. Uh, so I decided to start talking to my students about that. And I, I, as a science teacher, made this an experiment. I said, okay, I'm going to do this for 10 weeks. I'm going to do it on Mondays, start out my week, um, start out their week, see if it's, see if this makes any, you know, if this affects any change, if this creates any impact um, with my students or in my classroom. And it was truly an experiment and it was a risk because when you address 13 and 14 year olds, sometimes you might fall on your face. They're not the most, um, you know, clear-minded sometimes. They're not always open to an older person's opinion. So I really just took a risk and I, and I committed like, and in that moment, you know, you know, that moment you really commit, like you commit to the resolution or you commit to the you know, the workout plan or whatever. There, there's a difference between saying it and like, I am committed to doing this. I'm not just interested in doing it. I'm committed. And once I felt that commitment, I did not care what their reaction was going to be. I was going to address what I felt was important. And in my first day, I did this each of my five teaching periods, in the first day, I had colleagues come to me and say, I don't know what you talked about in class, but they were talking about it in my class and I couldn't get my class started. I don't know what you talked about in class. They were talking about it in the locker room. So this is the phys ed instructors were telling me this. Cafeteria aides saw me in the main office. I don't know what you talked about in class but they were talking about it in the cafeteria. And in that moment, I knew this was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a teacher who affected change. That was so important to me. And so I, you know, I carried on with my plan. Now, you know, my enthusiasm was um, really up high. And when I got to week 10, I said, okay, well, that was my experiment. I was going to do this for 10 weeks. And I sort of announced to one of my class periods, like, Oh, this is going to be our last like mindful Monday lesson. And they were like, what? We're, aren't we going to keep doing this till the end of the year? And I said, well, do you guys like it? Do you want me to? Absolutely. One of the students actually said to me, we should probably be doing this more than once a week. <laughs> so they recognized that these were topics that they needed to think about that nobody I was I was asking them questions and putting them through little exercises that nobody had ever questions they had never been asked before and things they had never sat down and really deliberately thought about and 
the change in my classroom was amazing. They were, they were nicer to each other. They were more attentive to each other as opposed to the constant stream of distraction. Um, I actually got more learning done in my classroom every week from that point forward because they were ready for it. And I just, it was like, I just started every class on a Monday doing 10 or 15 minutes, very short chapters. I knew my audience, um, you know, 25 years in the business of teaching teenagers. I know what gets their intention and what loses it. So um, it was, it became this really positive experience that I didn't, that I was just doing for myself. And then I realized at one point, a little voice said to me, like, this is a book because this helped you. This helped them. This affected change. And this can help other people. And that's what brings me to writing the book, which anybody who's written a book, you know, you, you write this book and you think it's so great. And then you read it out loud to yourself and you have to re-edit every single word, sentence, paragraph, a chapter. Um, so it put me through my paces, but I never lost sight of my goal is to help young people get an early start on really good life habits because it pay. you know, the longer, you know how it is, the longer you have a, a good habit, the the better it serves you, right? Like the first week that you start meditating for 10 minutes a day, you might not see a big change, but all of a sudden when you, you say, wow, I've been doing this for a year and I'm so much calmer and less anxious, right? So these habits, I, I had the benefit my the following year to start it right in September. And for nine months, every week, we went over like ancient wisdom and life habits. And I got them to analyze their own behavior, their thought process, clarify their values right before they were heading to high school, which is, I mean, that's, um, it's just so important to know, have a good sense of who you are before you get thrown in with things that can really uh, go wrong quickly when you're, in, especially when you're a teenager and you don't always make the best choices. <laughs> so, and no kidding. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I recall, you know, being and we've all been teenagers, right? And and we've all had those moments and we're all like trying to learn and figure out and understand how to decipher the world. And, you know, for me as a kid, this, as I went through this book and I, I kind of consumed it, I was thinking to myself like, damn, where was this when I was a kid? Because A, I hated school. Um, I had straight Fs almost entirely, didn't graduate on time. Um, in fact, they just handed me my high school diploma at the end and said, we're done with you. And, you know, I'm like dealing with the chaos of life. There's trauma and homelessness and abuse and like the whole nine. And so many people listening to this have had that experience. And as I went through this book, I was like, this should be a curriculum, not only for kids, but for adults, because like, ultimately there are some amazing tools in here that will help people who are struggling. And, and I think that the struggle is, is so a you have the ability to adapt, but you need the tools and the structure to be able to do so. And, and as I went through this, I thought to myself, wow, this is impactful and important. And I think this is also a really incredible tool and guide for, for parents who probably have teens as well. And, and what I, I'd love for you to talk about is kind of the experience of, of putting this curriculum together and, and the purpose that you believe it serves. Okay. So put, yeah. So putting this, but I love that you think of it as like this curriculum, because honestly it, it, I infused it in my science classroom, but it, it could have been done it, it anywhere. And I think this is, this has been, um, only because I know people have reached out to me, um, via my website and, you know, they've emailed me and they've said they purchased this book and they've been using it. And some parents they're purchasing my teacher's edition, because I realized I wrote these 30 lessons and you can hand this to a teenager, but it's so much better if you have a structure and you can talk to them within that structure. 
and give them time. Their time is so scheduled. I think it's overscheduled, to be honest. They're, you know, parents are so very worried about filling their kids' time because they see them doing things like they spend an hour on TikTok. Well, maybe if I get them involved in another activity, right, I, I'll keep them from these, from other things or getting into trouble. So, um, so that was the original plan. And then I realized that if I want to help educators, I should make a teacher's edition, which I did. And I created more exercises. So there's each of the 30 short chapters, but after each chapter, there's a group exercise you could do with your entire class. And that brings the class together talking about the same topic. So for example, if the topic were excellence, right, and they've now you know, you you read the few paragraphs about it. They do their self analysis, their their um, their own personal questions. They fill all that out. But then you say, think of someone who's excellent. Okay, don't tell me who it is, but and you just on my board. And this whole thing is like so analog because I do think kids, especially after COVID and the pandemic, there's just too much screen time, and the rate of things going in, they don't have time to process it. So this is very like pencil, paper, just write your thoughts down. And nobody, I never looked at their paper. I never collected them. It was like, I, I was super clear, like, this is none of my business. This is just for you to evaluate what you're doing, what you're not doing, and make choices that you feel are in your best interest. Because I don't know what that is for you. Um, so this, so back to my example, so excellence, I just drew a line down the middle of the board and I wrote never and always. And then I handed each kid two sticky notes, whoever your excellent person is, doesn't matter, right? It could be a parent, a neighbor, a friend, celebrity, doesn't matter. What do they never do? What do they always do that makes them excellent? And you have the kids just stick it on the board. So now it's not personal information. And you read them as a class and all of a sudden you're having a conversation about excellence and down the road, a week later, I can say, you know what? I am going to need excellence today. That means nobody's going to be complaining. Everybody's going to be putting in their best effort. Um, you're going to be helping each other, not, you know, judging or putting down anybody. Like we know what excellence is, right? We've talked about it. These are the things we're not going to do. These are the things we are going to do. and we, we would create this shared vocabulary based on what they said. And a lot of things they said, things like somebody who's excellent always listens to me. They give me their full attention or they encourage me. They support me. They, they never complain. You know, they're saying all these things and I, and I would say to them, which one of these costs money? Like this is available to everyone. You don't have to be a, of a certain economic status to be excellent. Anybody can do this. And they start realizing, yeah, old, young, rich, poor, male, female, does not matter. It just doesn't matter. These are traits of excellence. And when I would ask them to rot, you know, I wasn't like a daily thing, but every now and again, I'd be like, this is what I need guys today. And they would, they would rise to it every time. And so, the, you know, this was the kind of thing people were emailing me about saying, I read this book for myself. And these are dinner conversations they started having with their kids at the table. Or these were topics they started bringing up when you were driving your, your child to practice or picking them up from wherever, or even, you know, on the way to the dentist's office, there are times that you're in the car and they're looking at their phone, <laughs> to be honest, and it's hard to get their attention. But people found that you could, you could have these topics in those moments when there was no interruption. Like you just put down your phone. I just want to talk to you about something. And it gives you a way in that's very teen friendly because that's 
Like I stayed in my lane. What did I do? I was an expert at teaching teenagers. Who am I comfortable around? Give me all the teenagers. But <laughs> not a lot of people would, would want that, but I was fine with it. And so everything is very like teen friendly. They can relate to these topics. They can relate to these examples. Adults can as well, but it's more, um, you know, for my young adult audience, but the parents that emailed me were like, this has made a big difference in how we communicate to each other. Because a teen, a teenager is not going to come and say, I need, um, I need you to listen when I speak. They're not going to say that. And parents, quite honest, in a, you know, a lot of households with two working parents, they don't have the time, the bandwidth or the energy to like be thinking, what important ancient wisdom do I need to be addressing? It was like, here it is. It's laid out for you. It's, it's super like user-friendly, which is the goal because you want to make it accessible. One of the things I'm, I'm thinking here as you're going through this is, one, I love this idea in this topic of, of excellence. And I, I may be too rigid around it because I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like, there, there's no second place gold medals. And, and I think that we really have to embed and impart in people like you've got to earn the success that you want to have in your life. And, and I've seen time and time again, you know, people who I don't want to say have it too easy because that would be unfair, but that's the terminology that comes to mind in, in these achievements, whether it be academics or in sports, they're, they're set up for failure so desperately bad because they get into the real world and they expect you know, everybody to bend and placate to them. And I just think you're doing people such a massive disservice by allotting them the space to show up and just get the award. And I'm like, that's not how the life works. I promise you it's not because I've never experienced that once. And so I, I'm, I'm definitely there with you. I'm a proponent of that. But I think there's a lot of fear. I'm going to use that word because it feels like the right word. I think there's a lot of fear that people have in trying to embed and ingrain this wisdom into children when they're struggling themselves, right? When they're like, man, my life is kind of a disaster. I don't know how to show up. I'm, I'm struggling with these things. How do I possibly have this conversation with my kid or with, you know, I know there's some teachers listening to the show. How do I have this conversation with my students? And so what I'm really curious about is how do you broach that gap there between people having this insecurity around especially content like this because you know like adults we don't even have these kind of conversations so how do you step into what does it look like as an adult to have a conversation like this with a child so and i have to say when i had because for me this was i just pulled up my lab stool i sat down i was very calm it was like clear your desk I just, I want no visual distractions. And my board, I, you know, I had a lot of structure in my room. You walked in, you looked at the board. It told you what to do first. If the first thing was, you know, put your homework in the basket. If the first thing was take out uh, your notebook, wh whatever the first, and it would say, take a piece of paper off the front table, have a pen or pencil ready, clear your lab table. And they knew on Mondays that all of a sudden it, they were like, oh, yeah, it's Mindful Monday. And they looked forward to it. And of course, how many, I don't know how many kids are dying to get out of bed on a Monday and go to school. But the ones who walked into my class, they were like, oh, yeah, oh, I love this. Like I had, I had kids who wouldn't say two words if I asked them a physics question, but they, they would say to me, I really do like Mindful Monday. Unbelievable. Um, so as a, I mean, as a teacher, I, and, and they were, they were right out of the gate. Like I established trust, like guys, you're not sharing your answers with anybody. I'm not reading or collecting any of this. You can write anything you want on that paper. Like it's fine. And, um, I had, and I had students who I mean, you were describing chaos and, uh, you know, having some hard circumstances that they lived in. I had, I mean, I had one boy, he was just so angry and his parents were a mess. They were 
um, there was alcoholism, there was anger, there was absenteeism. I mean, there was all kinds of problems going on at home. He did, he did this every time I did this on Monday and, and we had a conversation. I was like, your future does not have to look like what you're living in right now. Like you have a choice. And if you don't want your life to be what you're growing up in, you can decide what you want it to be and make that happen for yourself. But you've got to make different choices than what you have seen so far. Understand choices are unlimited, right? You don't have to choose to follow in the footsteps of either one of the bad role models that you currently have as parents. And because I established trust and because I spoke to them, like you are young adults. At some point, you're going to have to take charge of your life and you can't blame your past for the things you didn't get in your future. They were super receptive. And I share, I mean, I shared personal stuff too. Like I would, you know, tell a story if I was talking about a particular topic and an anecdote just like came to mind, I would share that with them. Of course, it was, you know, something appropriate for them to hear. Um, but they, you know, it was, it was, yeah, I struggle too. Yeah, I have people in my life who are kind of a pain in the neck and I have to figure out how to let go of grudges and I have to clarify what I want in a relationship so that I don't make myself crazy and stressed out, you know? And once they were, and I, and I said, like, that's, that's life. Like everybody has problems. The level of problems they have might be different, but the better, the sooner and the better you learn to deal with them, the sooner you're going to experience what you feel is like contentment and satisfaction. But I, you know, you have to lay the groundwork for trust and know that and I had students come to me after class and share, you know, things that had come up for them when we were doing the exercises. They knew it was going nowhere. Like, unless, unless they were going to, you know, and no student ever shared with me they were going to harm themselves or harm anybody else. But if that would have come up, clearly, like counseling, I would have gotten help. But they would just share with me private things because they knew they could trust me. and. Um, you know, as teachers, sure, our lives can be stressful. Anybody who's sitting in a classroom at any point in time can appreciate, you know, the crazy email, the crazy parent, the crazy administrator, ah, the end of the day. But, um, but I think taking yourself through these lessons as you take your students through them, hugely eye-opening. And it, for me, a lot of things that weren't important, like fell away in the classroom. Like these are the things that I do not need to prioritize. And once I was doing these lessons in my classroom, I had students who were reported to me by other educators. This kid is a giant pain in the neck in my room. I can't even get him to like do any work, pay attention, stop interrupting it. And they would come to me and say, well, what do you do? What do you do? You have him. What do you do with him? I'd say, I don't, I don't have that problem with him. I don't have to do that. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive, it's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. 
because they would check themselves. All of a sudden they were like, oh yeah, we're in a room where she talks to us about what is excellence. She talks to us about um, evaluating our own behavior choices, right? So they, they were checking themselves. I didn't even have to, which was remarkable because before that, I, it was just constant distraction and interruption. I was having trouble teaching. They became more, um, I mean, I guess the self-awareness just improved their self-control. There's, they became more self-disciplined and I didn't have to implement that aspect of the classroom. It made teaching so much, uh, so much more of a pleasure and s- less stressful because I didn't have to worry about, I'm going to get interrupted 15 times before I can get out this, you know, the directions for what we're going to be doing. It, it just stopped happening. So I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I think teachers, especially if you're teaching teenagers, you stand in front of them every day, which is its own challenge. But this is a this is a risk that I took, and I'm sort of paying it forward because I I know, I and I have colleagues using this um, since I've written it. I know that it makes a difference, and yeah. it's it's just worth and it's worth. It's worth an investment of 15 minutes out of your week. I got so much more out of every week because of the investment of 15 minutes early on. It was, it was remarkable. Like I, and you, and just as much as the angry kid who's from a, you know, a home that's a mess. I had kids who were, um, stable home, good students, but they found the value in it and they would say, this helps me. You know, I had a a couple of girls and and girls going through eighth grade. I mean, that's just a rough time of year, (laughs) you know, rough time of life. And they were like, this is so helpful. I've never even thought about this. And they started clarifying, like, this is why this person always like gets under my skin. It gets, gets on my nerves is because this is what they're about. This is their values. And it's so opposite of mine. I shouldn't worry about what this person thinks of me because our values aren't aligned and that's okay. You know, like, because they, they were worried. How come this kid is just, and I'm like, yeah, but let that go. Cause that's, what's important to them. It's not important to you. Just get in alignment with what you want and it'll be fine. And they found themselves less stressed out which, I mean, it's great. Kids are so stressed now. I don't know. I remember being a teenager and I don't know if I had as much stress in the seventies being a teenager. Um, but, uh, I don't, I sure didn't have what they have now. Yeah, that, that's for sure. And, and, you know, I see that happen all the time and, and I think so many kids get stuck, you know, cause I'm, I'm involved in programs here in the city and, you know, you see kids get stuck in this, this really in, in interesting, intrinsic fear about being themselves uh, because of the shame, the guilt, the ridicule that exists in the world. And I know, I, you know, with a lot of the people who I coach who are parents, sometimes they'll ask me, they'll be like, how do I handle this thing with my kid? And, you know, it, it comes always back to, not always, I'll, I'll be clear about that, but frequently it kind of comes back to this thing about this, this public embarrassment, this potential for this pain, this suffering. I, I earmarked one of the chapters in your book that, that I thought was especially important. That is something that I think crosses all parameters of the human experience. And it's titled, What is the Worst Punishment in the World? And you write, Laughter. And I thought to myself as I read this, and then I went through and I started diving into the exercises on the next page, I was like, for a very long time, that felt so true in my life. The fear of showing up as me, the fear of doing the things that I wanted to do, the the fear, and so many people experience this about who they are is because of the other side, the other people's opinions. And my greatest superpower today is that I don't care. I will be publicly humiliated. I do not give a shit. I'm going to live my life. And that's become this incredible cornerstone. But I'd love for you to dive into this and and especially 
you wrote here, laughter is the worst punishment in the world. People will do almost anything to avoid being the target of people's laughter. And I want you to talk about why that chapter is so important. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, it's, you know, at, at a young age, but I know a lot of adults who would just be mortified if they did something that didn't work out and other people found out about it, it would be humiliating. And I'm like, nobody dies of embarrassment, <laughs> you know? And I, I mean, I've tried, and even, you know, in writing these lessons, when I started this, I was like, I could fall flat on my face. These 13 and 14 year olds could look at me like you are crazy and we aren't doing this. But at that point, I'm like, the risk for me turned out to be such an amazing reward. And that's the thing is until you've risked and maybe failed and maybe got back up and risked again until you've gotten something, learned something, had something positive happen, the fear of risking falling on your face, being laughed at, it's, it's so, it, it's just huge. And for some people, a little baby step, introducing themselves to somebody they don't know, they'd be like, what if they go like, why should I care who you are? You know, like if you don't have any self-confidence and self-worth, that could really be a crushing blow for a person. And I think everybody's got their own level of, um, you know, what's embarrassing. And that's actually, the, it's funny, the group activity for that is make a list of things that you think are embarrassing. And then I have the kid, I, you know, break it up into five categories, one to two three to four, five to six, you know, all the way up to 10. And it's like, rate it. Is it one to two? Like it's a little embarrassing or is it like nine to 10? Like you would just dig a hole, climb in it and like hope it closes up over you. Like where do you rate these things as embarrassing? And some kids would put things under nine and 10 that another kid put under one and two. And then you could have this conversation why is this a one or two for you? And why is this a nine or 10? But if fear of public speaking, you know, this kid one or two, it's embarrassing to have to get up in front of the class and give a presentation. And for another kid, that's a nine or a 10, which I know public speaking is, can be really scary um, for people. You know, like what, how come, how did you get, what's your mindset that this is only a one or two for you? And like, what nugget of wisdom can that, translate to somebody who thinks this is a nine or a 10. Uh, and all of a sudden they go like, oh, okay. And, and it really just speaks to mindset, you know, like how much courage do you want to have? Well, what do you, what do you want to achieve? Because if you only want to achieve a tiny bit, then only, then only grow a tiny courage muscle. Cause that's all you're going to need. But if you actually want your life to be successful and you want to have be and do things, then you're going to need a little courage. Um, and you know, that, and that was, you know, my anecdote for that, when I was telling them was like, when I first started making art, like it was pretty bad. I didn't, I didn't show a lot of people. And when I did show people, I would say, yeah, I'm just starting out and you know, whatever. And then one day I had just done this experiment of, you know, artwork experiment. And I brought it in to school to show one of my colleagues, because I had been telling her about it, telling her about it. A different colleague sees it and says, is that for sale? And bought it, like on the spot, went and got her checkbook and like paid me for it. And it was one of those, like, I was embarrassed, almost embarrassed to show it because I was like, I don't think this is any good. And then somebody else is like writing me a check. You know, if I had never, if I had never taken that out of my house and never been willing to show anybody, I mean, my artwork hangs in a gallery now. Why? Because I risked and I didn't, they weren't all good. A lot of things ended up in the trash. Uh, a lot of things I had to start over, but you know, the only reason that now 25 years down the road, I am where I am is because I was willing to make mistakes and like try again and show them to people 
And there are people, you know, artwork. I mean, some people look at art and they go, oh, I love it. And other people go like, oh, that's terrible. I'm not going to worry about that. You know, like I can't worry about that. You know, it's so funny because as you say that, I sit here and I think, you know, I've I've a ton of five-star reviews for my first book and one one two-star review. And in the two-star review, they go, this grammar is horrible. And I thought to myself immediately, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? What does they didn't that have to do with anything? And they didn't it, hear your message. Exactly. And that's the thing I hope people are taking away from what we're talking about right now, because people are already judging you. They're already shaming you. They're already have their opinion about who you are because of the your hairstyle and the clothes you wear and the way that you speak and the whole nine. And I'm just like, who cares? What does that have to do with anything? And, and, and I agree with you. Courage and building that muscle is about the willingness to show up as yourself despite the ridicule because guess what? It's going to happen anyway. I mean, I, I get it every single day. People will come at you and they will say things. And, you know, T.D. Jakes, who's an amazing public speaker, friend of mine, has this quote. He says, you know, as you grow, new levels, new devils. And in that, it's this idea that, like, as you get deeper into knowing who you are, the challenges actually become greater. It's not that you don't know less. It's more that you have to now figure out more. And and that brought me to this other chapter in your book that that also struck really home for me that that I've spoken about previously, but I want to circle into is this idea about how you do anything is how you do everything. And I'd love for you to talk about that. I That's such a huge habit for me. Um, and I have um, said, I've actually said no to doing a lot of things because I couldn't do it I couldn't do it well. I couldn't give it my time, focus, attention. I couldn't give it any of those things to the level that I wanted to. And I think kids, they get in the habit of, you know what? I did my I did my homework on the bus. It looked like chicken scratch. I handed it in. Um, but you know, I got a check. Good enough. Um, and then they they say, okay, their parents ask them to do something. They do it maybe after being asked 10 times, um, okay, got her off my back, done, good enough. And they don't see the value in doing the best job possible. And I think that's the, that's the chapter where I talk about like taking out the trash. Like, how do you take out the trash? Do you make sure you've gotten all of it? Do you, you know, wrap it up, make sure everything goes in the trash can outside? If it falls on the ground, do you pick it up? Do you check all the trash cans? Like, do you do the best possible job you could do? Um, and I, and I, you know, I, I would say to the students, like, so, you know, you're asked to do a simple thing, empty the dishwasher, right? And you have to be asked 10 times. And I, and you're really, you're perfectly capable of doing this. And you do a terrible job, or you let them nag you to death, because you really hope They'll never ask you again. And that is a mindset of the less I do, the less they'll ask me to do. It's learned helplessness. They learn that, you know what, if I just do a lousy job or make it so miserable for them in the process of getting me to do something, they won't ask me anymore. I can do less and less and less. And then you become capable of doing less and less and less until you're helpless. And we see this so often, um, you know, with students, we accept, give me anything, you know, like you're desperate to just hand me any piece of paper with anything on it. And I used to, I mean, I was a stickler. I was like, no, I would like your work in pencil, black ink or blue ink. And I had a kid, he did his entire thing in like red pen. And I was like, you're going to have to do it again because I was super clear on this. This is what I expect. And he, he was so mad. And I go, well, you know, that's the way it is. It's the way that's, I didn't like make that rule up for you. I didn't make that rule up today. And he learned in that moment, like he learned how I do this matters. Could I have read it in red pen? Could I have accepted it? Could have I, could I have lowered my expectations? Sure. 
of course. But instead, I was like, no, I want you to rise to the task at hand. And I want you to do this the best way that you can, given you were, you know, you knew all of this. And I think he was trying to see where my line was. And I was like, my line's super clear. But they get, they, you know, they get in the habit. And I don't know, um, I don't know about parents and teenagers these days, because my kids are 30 and 31. But, um, you know, when they would be asked to do something, there was no like, this is the seventh time I've said, could you do that? It was like, this is the expectation. It will be done. You know, this is what I expect. And we don't, and schools do this. They do this all the time is, okay, this is the deadline for handing in your money or your permission slip or your something. And then they'll take it late and then they'll take it two days late and then they'll take it a week late and then they'll take it 10 minutes before everybody's loading on the bus. And I'm like, what? and I had a kid where I was just like, oh no, I'm sorry, it's late. And he's, and I go, you know, let's say you get a job and you start like showing up late every day. I said, and they keep paying you the same amount of money. Is there any incentive for you to start showing up on time? He's like, no. I go, what if you show up 15 minutes late and then you start showing up half hour late and then you're showing up an hour late and nobody cares and they just keep paying you the same money or they need a presentation and there's going to be 20 people there, but you don't have it ready. You're going to have it done three days from now. Like nobody wants to see your presentation three days from now. They want it when they want it. Like this is the, how the, this is how the world works. They want what they want when they want to get in the habit of doing things to the very best of your ability. And I know there's, you know, done is better than perfect. I've always said that getting it done is better than perfect. And if you've written a book, so I'm sure, did you go back and re-edit anything after it was published or, or yeah, yeah right? I've written three books and yeah, of course. And, you know, to me that, that came into personal responsibility and accountability and saying, what do I want to put in the world? And like, I'm, I'm not the greatest editor in the world. I had friends edit it and look at it too and professionals. And I, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to put it out, right? You can't be scared of the fear and the accountability of how you do it is about, did I, did I do my best? And that's what I come down to. And I think to myself, as long as you do your best, like that's the thing that matters. And when I hear how you do anything is how you do everything. Like, that's the thing I take away from that is like, did I show up? Did I right. do everything I could? And did in I, that, in that moment, right in that moment that you pushed publish on that book, right in that moment, that was the best that you had in that moment, you know? And then I had somebody say like, did you know there was a, I don't know if it was a typo or like a missing word on one page. Oh, okay. And then I went and fixed it. Like it wasn't the end of the world. I didn't, you know, crumble. The book didn't uh, crash. It was like, oh, okay, I just have to fix that. Even though in that moment, I was like, this is the best I could do. Oh, there was a mistake because I'm a human being. Okay. You know, keep working at it. And that's the thing. If you, and, and, and that's the habit is I showed up, I did the best I could. Okay. So now the next thing that I do, I'm going to elevate that and do that the best I could do that the best I could. And I've had people, you know, say they, they give these big, Oh, I need somebody to, you know, do this big thing. And I will check myself and say, do I have the passion and interest that they have? Because if I don't share it, I might not be the person who's going to do that for you. But if I'm going, if I do something for you, and this is when I say, yes, I'm going to do this for you, you can expect my absolute best effort. Because if I'm not going to give you my absolute best effort, I will probably say, I'm not that person. Like you need to find the right person for this. I don't either, either I don't have the proper time to commit. I don't have the passion to commit to this. Um, you know, there's a reason, but if I, once I lock in and say, I'm doing it, like, just get out of the way. I'm doing it. I got this. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think that's such a powerful way and beautiful way to look at life as showing up, falling through, do what you said. And there's so many great 
analogies and anecdote in this conversation. Like, I hope people will go back and listen to this again and, and really explore some of the truth in this because they, they may hear the word teen and I'm over here like, yeah, but this applies to you too, buddy. Um, before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. So uh, my books, uh, again, Teacher's Edition, I have the Student Edition, The Power of Choice, A Teen's Guide to Finding Personal Success. Um, I also have, it's it's an ebook, so you can buy it as an ebook and get a companion journal so you get all the graphics. All of that can be found on Amazon because, as you know, writing a book is hard, and I decided to go the path of least resistance when it came to getting it out into the world. So it is on Amazon. Um, I do work with organizations, so if this were something you were looking to buy bulk copies, I offer it at a discount. You just have to reach out to me through my website, which is ClaudeBLarsonLLC.com, uh, and you reach out to me through there, and I can work with uh, institutions, get it you know, tax-free and at a substantial discount. Um, because I don't have to um, pay Amazon. <laughs> I, I, I think Amazon's probably going to be afloat and make plenty of money. So I feel perfectly fine selling it without um, going through that platform in bulk. Um, they can also find me on Instagram at the power of choice for success. And um, yeah, I think those are, you know, those are the easiest and best places to find it and me. Awesome. And of course, we'll put those links in the show notes. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? To be unbroken. I think that to be unbroken, you know who you want to be, right? You, you have a vision, you have a goal, and every day you're taking one step trying to get closer to that goal, working towards that, no matter what, no matter if there's an obstacle, no matter if you fail, you will still get up and try, no matter if it requires you to risk and use your courage muscle. I think being unbroken is clarifying, taking the time, clarifying what I want, what's important to me, knowing why it's important to me, and then using the motivation of why to keep me moving forward step by step. Because I, oft, I use this phrase often, how do you eat an elephant one step at a time? If your goal is the whole elephant, one step at a time, one bite at a time, right? That's how you do it. And the whole, you know, overnight success, right? They say it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. It's just sticking with it. It's consistency and perseverance. Brilliantly said, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. 
And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.